0: This call is being recorded.
1: Hey everyone, it's uh, David Barnett and it's time for another Holiday Chat 2018 special conversation. And today we are very fortunate because one of my past clients um, who has engaged me to help him look at different businesses that were for sale, um, saw the offer for Holiday Chat and of course saw what a great deal it was and he snapped it right up. So today we have Dinesh who is in the Northeast of the U.S., and uh, I think, Dinesh, we're going to talk about some of these businesses that you're running into and the brokers you're meeting and some of the things that you're noticing are, are quite difficult or unfriendly with respect to the kinds of processes you're seeing. And maybe we'll talk a little bit about how the processes seem to vary from one place to another. Um, just for everyone's benefit, because I already know you, um, just for everyone's benefit, why don't you give people a little bit of a background on who you are and uh, the kind of work that you're doing, and, and what sort of businesses you're looking for?
2: Sure, I am um, an engineer, and I work in uh, corporate business uh, in my line uh, for the past twenty years. Uh, now that uh, I have some savings, and I was Looking to do something different on my own, I started uh, thinking of uh, buying existing mm-hmm. business, and uh, I started out with uh, all sorts of business, uh, keeping uh, every type of business as open and possible for me to do. Uh, while looking and talking to various businesses, I think I have narrowed down to few types of business, and uh, mainly manufacturing business. Uh, I started out looking for, for uh, uh, jeans, uh car wash, uh, uh, plumbing business, uh, and many other types of business.
1: But, so you started off looking for sort of retail Main Street kind of businesses. Um, was it the idea that you might be able to run one while you kept your engineering position? Was that something uh, you were thinking of?
2: Yes, uh, initially that was the idea. Uh, you know, and I can work part-time and uh, still ha- own the business and take my job and then I will have uh, some income on the side mm-hmm. but as I dig into it or I started looking more into it I decided that I would want to go full-time owning and operating business and that would be more financially rewarding uh, and uh, maybe career-wise also that might be a better
1: mm-hmm.
2: So so uh, that's how I started Yes.
1: Yeah. And, and so it's interesting because as an engineer, of course, you have a lot of background in, in solving problems, right? Right. Uh, Finding ways to make things work. And for a creative engineer, who's going to create new things, something like a business in manufacturing is a real leverage platform. Because if you have a new idea about a new product, or even just an innovation or improvement on an existing product, that the business is creating, owning that business is, of course, going to allow you to benefit much more than you ever would solving that problem for an employer.
2: Uh, That's correct. Uh, Initially I was hesitant to go into manufacturing business because I'm not a mechanical engineer. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I thought that that may not be my field, but when I looked at a few manufacturing business, I met the owner, I saw the operations and what they do as an owner. If it is a, Medium-sized business, Uh, it is less uh, hands-on engineering work, but it is more management. Mm -hmm. And My position is in management, so I thought I can directly apply management skills and grow business or run business with help of the employees or uh, people who are already part of the business. Uh,
1: Before we start talking about some of the brokers you've met and the processes you've been going through. Um, tell me about in the, in the businesses you're looking at, have you, what have you seen as far as technology and process are the businesses for sale? Are they up to date as far as how they're doing everything from a, a business process point of view, or are some of them kind of behind? Like, do you see improvements that could be made in how they're run?
2: Uh, yes. I have seen, um, uh, uh... Some uh, one business I saw which had a a very very well uh, documented process, uh, uh, the staff and everything. Even though it was a manufacturing business, it was very clean operation. It 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 seemed like they had uh, optimized uh, most of the things. But then I saw a a few other businesses where uh, things uh, were. There were no systems there was no process or there was no optimization done so there were a lot of uh, operational uh, opportunities uh, to bring in some efficiency in how the business was run Mm -hmm. even i saw some difference in how the owners Mm -hmm. were uh, going after new business Uh, a couple of places i saw owners were very aggressive and they were uh, looking for new business or uh, they had a growth mind, uh, whereas uh, some uh, owners, uh, because they are uh, running business for last uh, 43 years uh, and it had reached a certain level, they were not looking for growth or they had just given up and they were uh, let it run as it was running.
1: So the, it was clear to see that they had maybe weren't as interested, they weren't pushing, they weren't You know, going out trying to find new clients and things, and and that is something that uh, that I've seen over and over and over again. Um, You know, people get into business often because they want to create a cash flow for themselves. Just which is what you're trying to do, right? Create a cash flow for yourself that that is going to allow you to meet your financial goals. And and what will happen is they they get into this comfortable place. Maybe they pay down their bank loans, they pay off their debts, and And then it's just very comfortable things start to coast and buyers sometimes will see that as a negative they'll they'll say oh you know the business hasn't been managed to its potential but but this really is the opportunity isn't it because it it means that if you get in there and run it properly you can probably grow
2: true i see opportunity two ways one is by bringing operational excellence uh, you reduce cost so that's direct cash flow increase and then you work on growing business and uh, that is another opportunity so if uh, existing owner is uh, not putting as much effort uh, when they started and they are like uh, running it uh, very easily. And ma- most of the business that I'm looking are people who are trying to retire, they are their sixties or seventies. Uh, so they are not as much energetic as they might be in their thirties and forties and fifties. So I see opportunity both ways. Mm.
1: Well, so. So how has your search been going? I mean, I helped you with a couple of businesses that that you became pretty advanced with. You started to look at financials and things. How are things different from one broker to the next that you've been talking to?
0: Uh,
2: I, I find many differences in various brokers that I talk to. Um, some of them are very responsive uh, and uh, very helpful and Uh some of them are very pushy and they just want to push their whatever the business they have listed uh, and uh, without providing uh, all the answers and all the details uh, that i might uh, ask for and uh, lately i'm running into a issue where i'm not getting any response any feedback any updates uh, it's uh, I have to pull out uh, every my uh, i mean I, I have i haven't been able to pull out any information so i've seen uh, various degrees uh, some brokers i see inflate prices uh, of uh, business they list very much and uh, i ran into a couple of brokers who had uh, priced it very reasonably and who were willing to Negotiate, and uh, they were very truthful when they were sharing any kind of information. Mm. All sorts.
1: Of- so, a- as a buyer, <clears throat> you know that the the brokers, of course, are engaged by the sellers. Are, are you getting a feeling that some of them are more collaborative with buyers than others?
2: Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I worked with a couple of. Uh, brokers who were even though they were representing seller they were not looking to uh if you will cheat or milk the buyer they they were interested in making a fair transaction and their whole approach uh, was let's have a fair transaction uh, and uh, so that eventually buyer also continues the business and is a successful, not only the seller. So that was the approach taken by a couple of uh, brokers. I don't see that a lot, but uh, I was happily surprised to find uh, and happy to work with a couple of those.
1: Uh, yeah. When, when I was a business broker, it didn't take long to learn that a deal that was put together with both parties' interests in mind, that was, you know, call it, quote unquote, a a fair deal, um, had a greater chance of closing. Because, you know, I I have seen in the marketplace, people bullied into making offers or pressured into making offers. Um, And you can, uh, maybe a broker can bully someone or pressure someone into making an offer. But but you know then it gets over to the banker and he won't agree to the loan or it gets over to the attorney and they say they stop the deal because of something they see or the accountant does and what what uh what I very quickly appreciated is the deal has to make sense and be fair in order for it to have any chance of closing um and and I watched people come in and out of the industry over and over again who would you know and and this is what would typically happen is the business broker would get into it thinking they were going to earn large commissions from selling businesses then time would go by with no deals and they they of course would fall under financial pressure and then they would be they would be pressured by their own motivations to try to make a deal happen and they would they would do everything they thought they could to make it happen and the more they pressed on these deals the more of them just fell apart before they got to the end
2: yeah, I totally you know. agree with that. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah, and and so, um, tell me a little bit about so so most of them when you contact them, are they sending you a package of information, for example, or what's what's the process? So a lot of them, I'm guessing, request a non disclosure agreement right up at the at the beginning.
2: Yes, when I'm not when I see a listing, I reached out and uh, the first thing they ask is signing the NDA, which I always immediately sign and, and back. Uh, sometimes they ask for uh, some sort of uh, uh, buyer financial information. Uh, if they may have uh, some form, one page form, where I list out assets and liabilities and total net worth or something like that, which they, uh, assure that they're they not gonna share with the seller it's just for the broker to know so that they know that a uh, buyer is in a position to go further they don't want to waste their time which i understand so that mm-hmm. kind of is optional not everybody asks for but most people do after that uh they do share uh the document that they prepare for uh, business. It's kind of uh, different brokers name it differently, but mainly it lists out uh, the business description, what it is doing, when it was started, who owns it. Some people put organization structure. Some people put uh, number of employees. Uh, uh, number. Uh, number of hours business runs number of shifts all of that information and then some financial information uh for past two three years uh, and then they have uh uh tb uh, tada like um, and the sellers uh, i mean uh, owner's cash flow statement they put ad backs and all of that and then they out uh, what would be the cash flow for the owner uh, some of them deduct uh, some assumed uh, let's say if somebody was running uh, somebody else was running then what would be the salary and all that so they right. list out all that kind of financial information and then they try to justify the price that they are uh, uh, quoting and uh, some uh, couple of business I saw they had uh, engaged uh, a business evaluator and then they had provided the whole report uh, where they mentioned um how they came to the conclusion of the uh, business uh, price. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of places where there was a real estate also involved they had listed uh, they had provided uh, uh, real estate uh, price and uh, how they came to that uh, price so that's that, and then if I ask, mostly I ask uh, for the tax return. Uh, not only I, I see that uh, whatever they have said that that there are profit and loss, and then add backs and all that, but I want to see the actual tax return uh, and reconcile with that, right? Yeah. Uh, so I ask for tax returns, and uh, mostly people uh, do provide the tax return. A few places I had experience that they said we will provide only tax return once there is an offer. Mm. Uh, we don't want to provide tax returns before that.
1: So, how um, how have people been around the topic of of a meeting with the seller? Uh, now, you, uh, some people. Um, have they only provided a meeting once you've analyzed the package and then, and then you've asked for a meeting or are some people more forthright with having you get a meeting in your early?
2: Mostly people like uh, provide the financial documents and then they ask if I'm comfortable with uh, whatever that I saw so far. Mm -hmm. And then if I want to move forward, they are happy to arrange conference call or, in-person meeting with the seller. Uh, I ran into one uh, uh, broker, whereas uh, uh, broker did not provide any information upfront, uh, any uh, package, any information about the business. Uh, they just provided the name of the business and location of the business. And if I asked for the details. They said uh, that the broker said, I will share only after I meet with the owner. So that was mm-hmm. a surprise. It um, was the first case where I was asked to meet the owner and their, uh, logic was if owner likes me, owner thinks that I am a worthy buyer, then only they will share any further information, which was, surprising. so then I had to meet the owner first, yeah. before knowing anything about the business. And, um, I met with the owner, I visited the. Uh, uh, business and I spent uh, more than three hours with the owner and that that was the uh, difference in uh, more ninety nine percent of the business where you get all other information up front and then you meet the owner whereas here I met owner first and I haven't still gotten any information
1: <laughs> okay well you know before the call when you when you mentioned you had had this experience of of being forced to meet the owner first, I got very excited because I, I thought for a moment that you were you had met with someone who really knew what they were doing. Because um, when I learned business brokerage, uh, and I learned it, you know, um, basically there were two guys who taught me the the bulk of what I know about business brokerage. One was Ed Pendarvis, who was the founder of Sunbelt Business Brokers way back in the. 60s and 70s he was he was working every day and and built it into a brand that that was franchised and the second guy was Greg Kells who who was the master franchisor for Canada and when I learned business brokerage from those guys um, every step of the process had a purpose behind it and one of the most important things in business brokerage is creating trust between the buyer and the seller. Because the, you know, the buyer, like you said that you wanted to reconcile things with tax returns and you wanted to like look over the ad backs and things like this when you, when you saw financial information. And that's because buyers of course are, are always a little bit skeptical that they're being told things just to get them to buy. Right. Right. And, and at the, on the flip side of things, if a buyer asks a seller to finance part of the transaction, that means that the seller has to trust that the buyer is capable of running the business and is going to be a good buyer. Right. right. So, so, both parties have to have a high degree of trust, and trust only comes from relationships. Right. right. And so, when I was learning business brokerage, what we, what we were taught is number one, when a buyer comes along, um, they ha- we have to create a meeting between the buyer and the seller. As early as we can, and what the broker told you about not releasing sensitive information until after the sellers had a chance to meet you—that that's exactly what I used to say to people too. I used to say, the, the the information package is only available to buyers after they've been vetted by the seller personally, because it's confidential, sensitive information. We don't want it floating around on the internet, etc. But the real reason that we wanted to have that meeting was so that I could show the seller what kind of high caliber buyer I had found because I had already prepared the seller that he was going to have to finance part of the transaction because that was a normal part of selling a business. So the, the buyer was told, you're going to learn about the business, which is true because this was where they were going to ask questions about the day-to-day and and get to understand how the seller came to own the business. If they started it, bought it, if it was a family generation or what have you, or family business for multiple generations. Um, But the seller was getting a first opportunity to underwrite the buyer, to make a decision as to whether he believed the buyer was the right person to run the business. And if it was going to be safe for them to entrust, you know, the business with that buyer, even though it hadn't been fully paid for. Okay. And so, I usually um, actually had a a secret signal that I would ask the seller. Like I would say, you know, if you like this guy, um, give me a pat on the shoulder, for instance. And some of them would be so excited they would just they would grab my shoulder and be, Dave, this is the guy. This is the perfect example of someone who should be buying my business. And then I would leave with the buyer, and we would sit down and and this. (laughs) I mean this was only 10 years ago but we would sit down with a paper copy of the business profile document and just as you described it would have financial information historical information you know the ad backs and the cash flow and and all the opportunities that have been identified by the seller of, of what could happen with the business as well as photographs and maps and maybe market data you know how many people lived in the marketplace and all that kind of thing and i would go through it with the buyer in person to make sure that they didn't have any questions or misunderstand any of the exhibits. And then I would pull out an offer form. And I would say, here's an offer form, let's go through it. And I would show them how an offer was set up. And then further to that, I would say, now let's imagine you made an offer for half the price, half the asking price. And I knew that the seller would not accept half, right? Right. Um, and And I would tell that to the buyer. I'd say, look, I don't think that they're going to accept half what they're asking. But let me just explain to you how we make this offer. And I would put in a figure for a down payment, and I would put in a figure for a bank loan, and I would put in a figure for a seller financing note. And I would fill it all in, and I would give it to them. And I would say, like, take this home and just read through it the only way you're ever going to find out what the seller will accept is by making an offer. Because, because in my training, I was taught that my number one job was to get offers. Right. And and without the offer, nothing could ever happen. And so the seller, the buyer would leave that meeting with, you know, an idea of what the business was like to run day to day because they just spoken with the, with the seller. They would leave the meeting with a whole bunch of information, actual data, numbers, et cetera, that they could use to make a conditional offer. And so that conditional offer would be, you know, based on what you've presented being true, I'm willing to do this. And it's all subject to review by attorneys, accountants, and everybody else, right? So it's a right. non-binding kind of offer. And then they would be excited because they'd be holding an offer in their hand for half the asking price, which, which they knew that would never, ever happen, but- it was kind of exciting, right? right. And, and so then I would follow up with them and call them and, and get them back in to write a real offer. You know And then I would say, "You know, what do you want to offer?" And maybe they would offer a price that was 20 or 30 percent below the asking price, which was great. And I'd make that offer and bring it to the seller, and I would say, "Good news, we have an offer on your business." And then you know, they would be disappointed that it was low, but I would say, "Look, do you know how hard it is even to find a buyer?" Do you know how hard it is to get an offer? Of course, I had prepared the seller before this. So so when you told me that you had met a broker who wanted you to meet the seller first, I got excited because I thought maybe it was someone who came out of the same kind of tradition that I was trained in. And then the fact that you ended the meeting and haven't gotten any information makes me think of one or two things. Either the seller really didn't leave the meeting with confidence in you and so he's told the broker not to pursue you as buyer or uh you know they're just unprepared
2: so here is the funny thing um when i met the owner broker was not present uh, broker
0: really?
2: yes so mo- most of the time when i meet the owner broker or some representative of broker is always uh present right with uh, Mm -hmm. me Uh, broker do not want to meet me alone so they either show up they introduce and then they that's how it goes even though i might be meeting broker for the first time but in this case uh, (laughs) broker did not show up he just gave me the address and uh, told me here is the cell phone number of the owner you go and meet uh, uh, the time that you said it is convenient for you So I went alone, and I met the broker, and uh, I mean owner, and I spent uh, three more than three hours Uh, while uh, discussing the business and everything else. Owner mentioned that this broker has not um, bring many buyers, uh, Mm -hmm. even though he is listed for more than one and a half year or two years, and uh wh- whoever uh, the buyer's uh, owner has gotten from this broker or outside by his own personal contacts or because he's talking to people and whatever i was the most qualified or the best buyer that he had <laughs> uh, talked to wow. and i was surprised and i said um i don't think that i feel like i'm i, I would be the best buyer i mean i would be at the top of your list, and he said, No, I he was serious, and I, I did not feel that he was uh, just saying that to make me feel good or happy. He was genuinely saying that uh, I don't, uh, uh, I haven't talked to anybody like that. So, so that was one thing. And mm-hmm. after that, when I talked to broker, uh, a broker also mentioned that hey, uh, this owner seller really likes you. He liked uh, talking to you. He liked uh, everything about you. Uh, the only thing that uh, he has a problem is um, with your uh, uh, requirement to do SBA loan.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, 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 so, they... so we can we can touch on why the SBA thing may have come up in a little bit, but. Mm-hmm. It sounds like the broker is not prepared, that they they don't actually have a package complete.
2: I don't think so either. I don't think they have a a package. I don't think, uh, I even uh, told uh, when I met owner that if I want to move forward, if you want me to put an offer, I would need a tax returns of past three years. That is the minimum thing that I need. And I think owner kind of did not answer anything, but he, 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 it seemed like that he did not know that he would have to share that thing. So it felt like I was uh, telling owner or bringing him up to speed how the sell process works. <laughs> so, so that was kind of surprising. And then he said, okay. And then when I I asked for uh, these documents. So the business was listed uh, at a price, let's say X, and the broker had listed it with uh, half of X as a seller uh, financing and rest as a down payment. Mm. And I told the owner owner and the broker also that I cannot, I mean 50% seller financing is fine, but for 50% down, I need to do SBA loan. And then they that though, um, owner was not ready for that. So I said, I would not go for uh, 50% down. I can reduce that, uh, I mean, I can reduce the seller financing. If You let me go for SBA financing because then I can just get a more loan and bank would be okay to do that because if business is decent enough with, uh, the cash flow that you are saying it it has then it wouldn't be a problem and i i'm okay with less than 50% of seller financing so mm-hmm. that's how it went and uh, Do, i does, did but... not get any documents. so i when i pushed for the profile and the document broker came back and said you need to first put an offer
1: <laughs> and and you and you don't have like when you say you you don't have anything, you have not been shown any profit and loss statements or balance sheets or anything.
2: Nope. No. I asked uh, uh, when uh, I asked broker, "Hey, can you share financial documents with me?" And he said, "What kind of financial documents?" I said, "Like whatever the business documents." He said, "No, in my field, financial documents has a very broad meaning. You have to spell out exactly what you want." I said, okay, then I replied, uh, I sent an email I, and he said, I, this was a phone conversation. So he said, send me email with exact document, what you want? So it was very easy for me. I said, past three years, tax return to start. Mm-hmm. And then I never heard back. And I, when I followed up and he said, oh, you need to first put an offer. Then only we will release any document. And I said, okay how do i put an offer how do i judge the value of the business without looking any sort of uh, information what you have listed in your website is it has uh, cash flow x and uh, sales y and the price is uh, z so these are the only three figures that i know but i don't know whether they are valid they are like how do we did you derive those figures? None of that information is with me, and so deriving the value of business is a very very challenging in this scenario. I wrote him, and he said, "Yeah, he understands and he agrees." I said, "Like then, how do I put an offer?" So, <laughs> so in the, I, I I I took a chance. I said, "Okay, let's because this is a non-binding offer, right? Anyway, yeah. So let's put some offer. Uh, who cares? Let's let's go with it." So obviously I put uh they had listed for X. I put uh, 90% of X as an offer, and uh, I put 10% seller financing, rest 90% uh SB alone and 10% my like, like whatever the down payment and all that. So I put that offer and uh I put uh they had uh, put a closing date. I said uh this date will not work because uh uh, it's uh, Thanksgiving time, Christmas time, so we should uh, push out the dates. Uh, so a broker said, "Okay, you can push out the date for closing." And so I, I did that, and whatever the numbers I came up, I put an offer.
1: So and... just before you continue, Dinesh, did did you ever get a document that said what was included in the sale, like machinery, equipment, inventory, receivables, anything like that, any kind of? balance sheet of what would be transferred to you no, as the buyer no, no, no. Yeah. so you're, you're make you're making an offer on something and you don't even really know what they think they're transferring to you
2: <laughs> that, that, that's true so here is the thing the uh, the offer document that brokers sent me to uh, fill out and sign had mentioned that inventory is not included right so i asked uh like how do i judge this total cost of the project because i don't know how much inventory is worth and then they said oh inventory is negligible it's not much and when i had looked at the business i knew that they don't have too much inventory the business is such that uh, there is not much inventory so i kind of knew that so i i went along with that uh, there was another catch to this there were two business entities That they were actually selling uh, because they manufacture something and then they they provide services and then they have uh, set it up as a two business legal entity but the overall the business is one Uh, they were they are selling together and i wanted that to be clarified and all that but none of that was very clear so as you said i there was no clarity or at least there is no clarity yet to me (laughs) what i'm getting what is the balance sheet look like? What assets, uh, if, if I know it is a asset sell, but what does that include? Right. Uh, what is the, uh, what are the lease terms? What are, what is the machinery equipment? Uh, uh, what is the payroll of the employees? Uh, none of that, uh, like, and how much will be goodwill? any of that is unclear i just took a chance and put (laughs) because it is a non-binding and i can always
1: back out Um, okay so uh, so so you you agreed to follow their process even though it's clear now that it's silly and and they they don't quite know what they're doing so but you, you agreed to follow their process did you get what you wanted did you get some papers finally
2: no, so it's uh, more than three weeks or almost three weeks that I put an offer and because the day they said that you have to put an offer, uh, I put an offer in a couple of days because let's say they mentioned, uh, broker mentioned on Friday, I put an offer on Monday mm-hmm. and it's three weeks, I haven't heard back. Uh, when I followed up next day after putting an offer, I was... Uh, broker mentioned that you will get a counter offer or acceptance immediately so it's okay uh so after a couple of days when i followed up they said oh, oh seller have talked and they are uh, uh, okay with this offer so they will sign and send you back and then you can uh, deposit a check for the deposit right um uh, i was about to set send- check along the offer
1: <laughs> but the broker well, like, whoa, whoa, no. whoa. you you were going to send a check
2: not the check for the obviously the business but for the as a in an escrow with a broker uh, some amount as a deposit that would be written to me
1: okay and so what, were you able to see terms and conditions with respect to that escrow um, were you able to verify that the 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 broker does actually have an escrow or trust account set no, up? No,
2: I no, I haven't verified that.
1: Okay. So, so did you send the check yet? i oh, was sorry, I interrupted your story. No,
2: okay. no, no, but no, no. I ha- I haven't uh, sent the check because broker okay. told me you should uh, don't send check now. Send check when seller have signed the LOI.
1: Okay.
2: Okay, I will wait uh and sellers did not sign the loi yet uh so i every couple days three days i send an email uh, but i don't get any reply uh, so i keep following up and then um, then uh, thanksgiving week came so i did not uh, push too much on that and now this is the week uh, after that and i haven't heard back and then um i i yesterday i mean uh, when i talked to broker last he said that uh, in a one or a couple of days i should get it signed LOI back uh, so
1: well you know i i'm i'll be curious if you are ever able to learn what what is going on over there if it's just the i mean maybe a slow decision process on the part of the seller or maybe they went to go ask their accountant or an attorney for advice, and then maybe they they discovered that hey, we we have an offer on something that's not defined. Um, who knows what's going on over there? But the the fact that they're not prepared to share information with a person who who they've said seems to be the most qualified buyer to come along, it, it just means that you have to be cautious because you can't be certain how how much the broker has been able to prepare the seller for what to expect from the process. Um, with respect to the SBA thing, um, last spring I went and spoke at a conference in Las Vegas and it was largely for people in the secondary mortgage note market. Um, but there are a few people who invest in business notes. And so what they'll do is they'll look for seller financing notes on businesses that have been sold. Maybe they've been sold a year or two ago, so there's a payment history, and they'll offer the sellers uh, a cash amount for that note. And, and what they're doing, of course, is they offer a discounted price so that they can increase the yield that they will receive as an investor. And when I was preparing to, uh, to do my talk about these notes, uh, I happened to speak with a gentleman in San Francisco who who runs a business where they buy these notes, okay? And we had a long conversation about SBA um, because, of course, the SBA, they change their rules every year, but uh, for 2018, they're offering a large amount of financing for business acquisition, potentially, if, if people qualify. Um, but what he was telling me is that they made the mistake once of buying a note that was in second position behind an SBA note. And he says that the, the sellers, when there's SBA financing, are required to sign these subordination agreements, which are extremely restrictive. And so one of the reasons why he may not have wanted you to have an SBA loan is that if he was gonna carry 50% of the purchase price, then he would basically be subordinated to them. If you If you defaulted in your payments to them, I, I don't even think he would have had the right to to talk to you about collecting on his note. And so maybe somehow he's come across this kind of information or opinion and has decided that it was a bad idea. But if a seller from the get-go is willing to finance 50% of the deal and you have some money of your own, then the next question is, why would we need the SBA? Because if the business has some assets if there's inventory receivables machinery equipment et cetera and, and I don't know what's in the business um we we can sometimes just get a bank to do a a a loan a regular business loan holding those assets as collateral and maybe we don't need the actual s b a loan program
2: All right I definitely uh, understand that part I agree with that uh I think uh um but now that uh I, this year they have changed even sba rule that uh seller financing cannot be paid at all unless and until the whole sba loan is paid off right uh, so not only they are secondary but they have to wait for the uh, period of the SBA loan uh, that's what i was told when i was working on other business. Uh, with some SBA lenders. So that may be the case. Um, are, are, you,
1: are you talking about 2018 rules? Yes. Yeah, and, and what's interesting is that I talk to a lot of people all over the US who will make applications for these SBA loans. And what amazes me is that you can go to the website for the SBA and you can see a list of criteria, but the things that I hear back from different people who are talking to different bankers, all seem to be different? True. <laughs> that, that, that's just an aside, but it, it yeah, seems yeah. like like rules are being applied in different ways at different banks and, and with different people, I guess.
2: Yeah, I think banks impose their own uh, set of criteria too. When I was mm-hmm. talking to a few banks, uh, uh, when I was trying to pre-qualify one of the businesses that I was trying to buy, uh, that did not work out. Uh, but. Different banks have their own internal criteria and how much they would uh, lend uh, without uh, with seller financings and what should be the terms and condition. Even though that may not be SBA requirement, but they have their own thing. Uh, and uh, I hear different things uh, around even SBA rules and all that, as you mentioned. So that's the thing. Um, so the problem this with this business where they seller was ready to do 50% financing Uh, when I looked because I visited business I looked at the business I knew right up front um, they don't have a real estate first thing right so there is no collateral there and uh, the equipment and the inventory and all of that is uh, kind of uh, limited uh, and it does not come to much of uh, even 50% of the down payment uh, or let's say regular bank loan because it's very less uh, um, so
1: there's not a lot of equipment value there
2: no no It, it it's more uh, of uh, goodwill in even than in that asking price even at the 50 percent and so getting a loan for that uh, would be uh, challenging hmm but um, if that's... business uh, my theory was if business is uh, as good as they are saying uh, based on cash flow and sales uh, it should not be hard to get uh, full amount uh, financed through sba uh, if everything stands up uh, as they are saying
1: yeah and, and the problem though is that that you're you're now you know sort of uh... Trying to think and dream about how this thing is going to, going to work and how the deal could be put together when you don't have any any facts or any, <laughs> any inf- information to, to base it on. So so it's it's you know, you're just you're putting energy into this these thoughts that you know without any idea of what, what's real. Have, have you tried to reach out to the seller directly again? I mean you, you were given his phone number.
2: Right. Uh, I so many times I thought about it it um uh, but i was not sure if i should do that or not so one time i wrote a broker hey if you don't mind can i reach out to the seller and then immediately i got a phone call from him saying hey wait i will get you something uh, in a day or two so I thought then he may not be okay to for me to reach out to seller directly because when I worked with all other brokers, they did not want me to directly reach out to right. owner. They wanted me to go through them, which makes sense because they want to be in the loop and all that.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: I'm kind of stuck and it seems to me that in this whole thing, uh, I'm, I'm not sure where it is uh, who, Where is uh, something missing? What is uh, and where it is missing? But uh, I feel uh, sellers are not actually brought up to speed that how the whole thing works, what they have to do, how and all that. And
1: This is, you know, um, uh, this past week I was in Toronto and I was uh, on Friday, I did a, a session for, people that were going to buy businesses and and we had a long talk about brokers um, and some of the people in the group before and during and after the session were were talking about some of their experiences with brokers and it really comes down to expectations um the business broker's job is to is to teach people how to go through the process because most people have never gone through the process and to your to your point the seller needs to be informed about what's going to happen, what to expect, what will happen next. And, you know, selling anything you want to have momentum. You know, if you went to a car dealership and uh, there was a car on the lot for sale and you said, I like that car. And they let you take it for a test drive. And you came back and you said, you know, what would the payments be? And they said, "Well." We're not sure what the specs are. We don't know what kind of engine is in there and we're not exactly sure what the price is. You'll have to come back next week. You know, your enthusiasm for purchasing the car obviously would decline over the course of the next week. And salespeople have all kinds of expressions for this, you know, strike while the fire is hot, make hay while the sun is shining, like all these things. It all means the same thing. When you can create excitement and get someone who's interested then you need to remove the obstacles to having the transaction occur and you need to do the deal. And what, what's happening here is that they've got this apparatus in place to generate buyers. And then once you appeared on the scene, they didn't have the rest of it put together or cool. the seller wasn't properly prepared for what was going to happen next. And now they've lost momentum so yeah
2: so i think uh, that's absolutely true and i am putting my energy and uh, effort into this because um, i my pipeline is not uh, strong at this time <laughs> i'm not looking at uh, anything else uh, i'm uh, waiting for any some something else to come up which interests me right so i thought okay and i'm uh, so I, I i sometimes i get a feeling that uh, maybe it's this broker who is uh, uh, preoccupied with everything else and hasn't put enough effort and uh, energy into this uh, business or sometimes it seems like maybe seller is not somebody who this broker is able to uh, bring up to speed and train and convince that how things should work and how things work and seller is Basically uh, has his own uh, theories and ideas, so I don't know which one is it is, <laughs> but I get feeling for both sides
1: mm. and 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 here's the problem is that eventually, in my experience, when this starts to happen, at some point you are going to start to be worried that the reason for the delays is because they're trying to do something nefarious like change numbers or change documents or something like this right that eventually that's where the buyer's mind ends up going because you wonder you know how on earth were they we, you know that they've got tax returns because he told you that that they had them but they wouldn't share them until after the LOI so how is a company able to submit tax returns if they don't have financial statements right at least internally prepared ones so the
2: business is a 50 year old business so yeah. I, I am not uh uh thinking that they don't have tax returns it's just that they are not willing to share with me is the only yeah. thing so when they share the tax return uh it's gonna be black and white it's not gonna be anything different right and beyond tax returns if they have to justify any other numbers then they will have to share or show me how they come to XYZ numbers, but experts should speak for themselves.
1: But anyone, even if they're not involved in business transactions, could could make that statement you just made. They've, they've been in business for 50 years, so they must have financial information. So then it, com- <laughs> then, then it comes back to the question, then why aren't they sharing it? Right? And right. No, so
2: as they said they want offer first and then they will share when i put an offer they are not uh, signing it and accepting it whereas uh, verbally i heard from broker that they are okay with the offer so so why it has been not signed yet what are they verifying from the offer perspective because there's not much to do from the offer
1: perspective Mm. and i mean I can't answer it because I don't know what's going on in there either. Right. <laughs> but, and, and it's frustrating and you know, as time goes on, maybe, maybe more of this story will be revealed, but my, I think that your hunch is right. I I think that there's something lacking between the broker and the seller. Right. Uh, either, either in, in how the brokers prepared the seller or the, the relationship between the two of them isn't totally smooth or the, the sellers just being obstinate or slow or, you know, at the heart of things, maybe not as motivated as they say to really do the deal.
2: I, it seems like when I talk to owner that seller might be motivated. um, uh, And, ready to retire Uh, but here is the thing in his business experience what he is selling he was always able to dictate the selling terms okay so I think he's bringing that same attitude and experience to selling the whole business which may not be the right idea and because these are two separate types of transactions, mm-hmm. so he the way he did all his sales, uh, whatever they manufacture, is a purchase order based. It's not you manufacture of ahead of time and then you sell it. You just sell this idea that, okay, we can manufacture XYZ type of machine for you. And then you work with their engineering team. You come to a specification agreement and then you quote the price and you quote the terms and then mm-hmm. buyer agrees to the, your terms and then you get the payment upfront uh, XYZ percentage. And then you start manufacturing and then. Uh, along the way, you keep getting a certain percentage of the uh, sell price as a payment. And then once you get 100% payment, you deliver the product. So that's a different business model compared to selling the business itself. Right. And I think uh, either broker hasn't uh, make seller aware of this or seller is not fully aware of this uh, difference. And uh, there is a there is a there is a gap that set in seller's mind that he doesn't appreciate the difference and he hasn't uh, come to uh, agreement how this business sell happens.
0: Hmm.
1: Well, I mean, you you like it though, right? When you met the seller, you like what they do, you obviously are interested. Um what uh what is your plan are you just going to hang in there and wait and see if they ever do produce anything for you
2: uh well uh yes uh, because see here is the thing i don't have anything else that i am ready to put an offer for right if i find something else uh, where i am ready to put an offer uh, i will go ahead and uh, put an offer on some other business uh if that gets accepted, then I disregard this. I discard this. If nothing of that happens, uh, I will just wait for this to have, come back as and when it comes back, only effort that I will put is every week or every now and then I send a note uh, saying, hey, any update? and um, Let's see how it goes. And even if, let's say, LOI is signed, I submit a deposit check, and then I receive all the actual documents. Uh, I, then I will do deep dive. I will look at the numbers, and I will try to conclude if it really makes sense and the price that uh, I have quoted or price that I have offered makes sense. If it doesn't, then I can always back out. Mm-hmm because in, in 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 absence of any other uh, opportunity <laughs> i don't have a great in, uh, reason to back out or say okay i'm frustrated with you guys I, you guys are not moving as fast as i want you to or not following the process that i think it should be i'm backing out that would not be even rational right
1: well here, here's a, another interesting thing to consider: is that now that you know how they're treating buyers, mm-hmm. <laughs> um there the, the, there's actually a barrier to entry for even examining this opportunity.
0: Right. <laughs> right,
1: right. So, so if you can get through the barrier to entry and get onto the inside where you have information, um. That potentially the the greatest value that a broker brings to a seller is the the possibility of competing buyers and and i and I think that the scenario they have set up almost protects you from competing buyers
2: well actually in that regard when i put an l o i uh, LOI, uh broker even mentioned that uh, once your loi is signed you have exclusive uh,
1: rights okay so so they, they they're they're following a process where they're they've just assumed that you want an exclusive dealing period
2: uh, yes even though i did not ask for it they offered that i said okay that's fine with me that's good
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay so yeah so I'd i hang in there, Dinesh, because yeah,
2: there's... that's that's the thing. I'm hanging in there, but it's kind of uh, um, interesting. And even I offer uh, uh, to meet a broker in person. I said, "Hey, I can drive to your wherever, or uh, let's meet in person." So I, that way, I know. Is it? Because I already met the seller, now I meet the broker in person. Then I, I I can come to some conclusion, where is the bottleneck or how should I go about it? And then I might be able to convince the broker that let me work directly with the seller because numbers are final. Then your fees uh, is... Uh, Done. Uh, you, I mean, you have uh, your numbers clear and you will get it. I, I don't have to pay anyway. Let me just work with this and get this done sooner directly by working with owner. And that's what I wanted to oh, convince him. But uh, he's not willing to even meet in person.
1: So you, you're within driving distance of the business. And is the, is the broker within the region? Like, is he close enough to you?
2: Yeah, they, I mean, yeah, it's, a, it's. I mean, I don't know exact location of the broker, but it might be a one hour drive or one and a half hour drive at the max, uh, which mm-hmm. is okay. I can just drive up somewhere, meet the broker any day and any time. And
1: Is it, do you know if it's a business brokerage that has an office and there's other people there, or is it just like a sole practitioner maybe working from home?
2: No, this seems a bigger operation. It, it is, I think uh, it's a, larger uh, business brokerage firm they have multiple offices Uh, i think uh, mainly they are new york based uh, but they have offices all over uh, at least uh, northeast and mid-atlantic area maybe somewhere uh, other parts of us too so it's not a small business firm and i think uh, they might have an office uh, in one hour or one and a half hour drive distance from my location And that's where this uh, broker might be uh, located.
1: Hmm. I I find it curious that he wouldn't want to meet you. Um, Like I said earlier, it's all about relationships. It's all about building trust and um, so that people can agree to these terms and conditions and you can, you know, have a leap of faith, so to speak, in certain things that you can't quite verify when you buy the business and and in order to make you happy, we do the seller financing, but the of course, the seller has to trust you in order to do that. it's it's all trust and relationship uh, in a circle. And you know, I was hopeful when when you said he wanted you to meet the seller right away, but it sounds like maybe he he doesn't fully grasp that because he he should certainly want to meet you if only because if this deal doesn't work out, to create a relationship with you as a buyer that you might potentially look at another business that they could sell you.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. And I think uh, I met a couple of uh, brokers who wanted to meet me in person, understand me, my needs, my uh, and then they asked me some other questions uh, what if this doesn't work out? What are your interest? Uh, where? What is your uh, location preference? Uh, type of business? Uh, the total cost of uh, purchase? What? What? So basically, everything they wanted, and then they said they will keep me in mind if something else comes up. If they find me as a suitable buyer, or they like me working with me, and all that. So I saw that happening uh two times uh, after working with so many other brokers but many brokers were kind of not interested in any of that sort so i'm surprised that most are not doing that
1: well you know it's it's the business brokerage i mean it businesses themselves exist in an inefficient market you know there's all this friction there's a lack of information it's a confidential market but from the point of view of people who own businesses that want to sell them, it's also a confusing market as to which broker they list with if they decide to hire a broker. Um, because, of course, the seller doesn't fully understand the process, and oftentimes the seller doesn't understand the kinds of questions they need to be asking of a broker to make sure they're listing with the right person. Right. And and and, and sometimes uh, if the broker is forward and honest, it, it would turn the seller off. Right. If right. if they said, look, your business is worth this, we wouldn't list it for more than this because we don't want to waste our time. And the, the seller might think, oh yeah, well I'll I'll find someone who will. Right. And and not realize that the you know the first person was telling the truth and and then and then they end up wasting a year, for example. So and, so and, it, and in
2: that regard I had a question. Yeah. Uh like as you said, buyers don't know, I mean, sellers don't know how to find the right broker. But now that uh, I might soon, not, if not this, but I find I might run into an opportunity where I want to uh, move forward. And if my offer is accepted, then I have to look for the transaction lawyer and a CPA or accountant. How do I find the right uh, guys to help me out? The,
1: the way. The, the way that you find the right people to help you is, if you can, if you're connected to any other business people, you ask them for a referral. So you say, I'm looking for a CPA that has experience with business purchases that can help me, and you ask other business people for that name. Same with an attorney. And then once you meet those people, you don't blindly just engage them, you interview them just like you're hiring an employee and one of the most important things that you can do is ask them for references it it never ceases to amaze me how people will call references for a roofer or a plumber or a car, you know carpenter or something but when they get into a lawyer's office or a CPA office they just they just you know are suddenly awestruck and just think that the person is is a you know a wizard of of whatever it is that they're doing. The within the legal community, um, attorneys are quite specialized. You know, some of them are family law people, and some are real estate people, and some are corporate people. And the the problem is is that if you meet an attorney who's hungry enough that isn't doing enough business, and you say, "Can you help me? You know, buy this business?" They're just going to say yes. Because, they, because right. they want the file. Right. Right. And so then what you say is, well, okay, great. Can you give me the, the, the names of other people? Uh, I, I'd like four names of other people whose business, who you helped buy a business in the last year. Right? right. If they haven't done four business acquisitions in the last year, Then then their practice is not doing those deals. Right. Right. And then, you know, for the CPAs, yeah, they all have the ba- same basic education, but most CPAs spend the majority of their time doing tax returns and creating financial statements. Uh, and not all of them are involved in business transactions or helping people do due diligence, things like this. And, and there are some CPAs out there who you can find that have some really neat past lives. Um, you know, there's, there's a CPA that I've done business here locally where I live And he used to work with uh, the Canada Revenue Agency, so he used to go and try to collect taxes and try to figure out where people were cheating on their books. That's a great kind of accountant to have when you're doing small business due diligence, right? Because they've been trained to look for things that don't quite look right, right? Right. And so, so different guys are going to have different, different guys and ladies are going to have different experience, and and so you put them through an interview process to make sure that you are satisfied that they're going to be able to spot things. Um, You know, uh, if you're buying a manufacturing business and you go to a CPA firm where they do the financials of other CPA, of other manufacturing businesses, then they're going to be able to look at those and say, you know what? Most of the time we see a cost to goods of 40%. And for some reason in this business, it's only 27. And and that doesn't seem right. Right. And we need to figure out why, right? Those are the kinds of comments you want.
2: So is there any uh, specific type of questions that uh, you have in mind when interviewing them?
1: Um, basically is ask for advice and then ask them questions that, that you already know the answer to. So um, you might want to say, you know, like the, this, when you're speaking to the attorney, um, this seller has has a hesitation about allowing me to do an SBA loan. Um, why do you think that might be? Right. And and okay. and just let them answer that, right? And right. and and see how that compares to what to what you've learned, right? Um, when you're talking with the accountant, um, you may maybe you want to you want to talk with them about some of the other businesses that are similar that they have worked with and and you know ask them, were they project-based manufacturers, custom builders, or were they line manufacturers that maintained inventories like just just see what their level of experience seems to be
0: right okay
1: yeah all right well we've come to the end of our time Dinesh um it was great to speak with you again um was there anything else that you wanted to add here for before we closed it off
2: No, this is good. Uh, Thank you, David. Uh, Thanks for the good deal and you have (laughs) a happy holidays. Merry Christmas and I'll uh, reach out to you when I move forward with this or any other offer.
1: Awesome. It's good to hear from you again, Dinesh, and uh, happy holidays to you as well. And uh, I hope you get some time to relax uh, over the the break.
0: Thanks. Have a good day, David. Bye.
1: All right. Bye-bye.